This is Magic City Soccer. Es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica. This is Magic City Soccer. Este es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica de Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. Let's go, Miami FC. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer. Vamos, Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer. Este es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica de Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer, your home for everything you need to know about soccer in Miami-Dade County. Hello, soccer fans in South Florida and beyond. And even though we normally focus on uh, soccer within the county of Dade, within the 305 or the 786, uh, we are expanding our horizons a little bit today and beginning our World Cup preview. We're going to run it down group by group to let you know what we think as we head into the biggest soccer extravaganza in the whole wide world, I'm joined here, actually alongside Omar Mubayed, the luxury of summer. Uh, Omar, how you doing, pal? Bleep it! We're doing it live! <laughs> so, we are indeed doing it live. Uh, we got a lot to discuss, so our plan is to kind of give you a little bit to digest now. Groups A, B, C, and D. And then uh, we're going to take a little bit of a break, a little bit of a pause, and then run down the rest of the groups a little bit later this week. Uh, so, let's start at the top. Let's start alphabetically. And go to Group A. Omar, who are we looking at in Group A of this uh, 2018 FIFA right. World Cup? So you should already know who's in Group A. And if you don't, I'll kindly remind you very quickly that Group A will have the hosts of the tournament, uh, the motherland, Russia. Uh, they also be joined by the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, Egypt, and Uruguay. So as you're looking at this group, one thing stands out very quickly. You've got one European side... You've got one side from the Asian Federation, one side from the African Federation, and, of course, South America being represented by Uruguay. Uh, it should be no joke to anybody, or really shouldn't come as a surprise, I should say, that Uruguay are going to be the odds-on favorite to advance out of this group. You know, if we're looking at it as, you know, to borrow a horse, a horse racing term, since the Belmont was last weekend, <laughs> yes. uh, if I was putting an exacta in, or an exacta box... I'd probably make no money back if I were to choose Uruguay because pretty much everybody is going to assume that this country is going to make it out of this group stage. Yeah, uh, you can really tell by you know do some of our pre-show prep, and yes, we do do pre-show prep. You can really tell uh, uh, 538 is, is also running group-by-group group predictions, and the headline of their preview for Group A was Uruguay got the World Cup's ultimate prize, Russia's group. Uh, they don't uh, hold rushing very much esteem, and they believe Uruguay should be able to roll to an easy win. And Omar, I'm inclined to agree to them. I think Uruguay, while that talent is beginning to age, while that golden generation that they've had over the previous two World Cups um, has produced a lot of memorable moments, hasn't yet produced a title, uh, while that group is getting older, they ought to be able to get out of this group A. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's nobody here who's going to that should actually test them. Um, Russia, again, you know, yes, maybe they've been semi-competitive when it comes to Euros and they've made, you know, challenges into the group stage. You got to remember that the Euro tournaments allow third place teams or a certain amount of third place teams to qualify to knockout round the way Portugal won the tournament in 2016. Right. However, that doesn't exist here in the World Cup. And at the same time, Russia is, you know, I don't feel like they have the firepower. They don't have that superstar that they can huddle around. There is no Alexander Ovechkin on the squad. There is nobody <laughs> that they can have, you know, a, a sense of camaraderie or they can look to in times of crisis and to make, you know, certain things come off. Yeah, Alexander Cochran, who's their main striker, 
you know, yes, maybe perhaps he can have a shining moment or two, but is that going to be enough to overpower Uruguay? I, I don't believe so. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree, especially when you look at, at to me, the, the two favorites out of these four, the teams that I would lean toward, uh, Uruguay and Egypt, they both have that talismanic forward figure. The guy who up front you can trust, he's going to dig a goal out of somewhere, uh, even when times get tough. Now, the, the, the important factor for Egypt, uh, obviously, is, is that talismanic figure healthy. Mohamed Salah has been in training. He has been recuperating. He's been trying to get, get back ready, fit for the start of this World Cup. Uh, obviously, I still mourn his, uh, his injury personally, um, but I just can't foresee that he's not going to get out there and play. Uh, you know, it's we've, we we're a few weeks off that injury. He's been able to rehab. He's been able to get back into kind of some regular activities. I think he's going to get out there, and I think he's really going to lead Egypt out of the group. I think uh, <clears throat> I'm with you. I think Egypt finishes second. I think a lot's going to have to do with that game between Egypt and Russia because I honestly, if I put line up Egypt and Saudi Arabia together, listen, the worst case scenario for Egypt is a draw in that match. I have them advancing out of that match with a two-one scoreline. However, it really comes down to how Egypt squares off against Russia. And that match, which looks like it's going to be played on the 19th of June, so I would say, what is that, roughly Monday, if I'm not mistaken? I believe it's Monday. Yeah. Well, today's the 12th, so today, so it would be Tuesday. Yes, correct. We, so Tuesday we, of next week. Right. So, you know, for me, it, it, their whole tournament will come down to that game. If they can get three points against Russia, they're going to book their seats into the knockout round. If they somehow drop points against Russia, it's going to be a lot harder because you can't imagine Egypt really getting a result against Uruguay. I just I don't see it happening. No, I don't either. And and I think that first game is against Uruguay. I think if they do get any kind of result, even if it's a draw, um, I think they can almost book their tickets into the group stage at that point. Uh, we, we have a, a, an accompanied guest joining us. Um, um, so, yeah, I, I think that if Egypt can get any kind of result against Uruguay, uh, they're they're going to be coasting in. They're going to have that game against Russia and St. Petersburg on the nineteenth, um, which again you, you would you would expect Egypt to have a slight talent advantage there. And then the final game against Saudi Arabia, you're hoping not to trip up against yourself there and, and wind up dropping points when you don't need to be. But yeah, I, I think that first game is a real test. If 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 Egypt get any kind of result out of that game, they could win the group. But we don't expect them to get a result out of that game. They're probably going to lose. And then, as you said, it all comes down to that match against the hosts in St. Petersburg. Well, here's the thing. If they get a result, it throws the whole group in disarray. Because all of a sudden, if Uruguay only come out of that game with one point, and let's say Russia beats Saudi Arabia, like I think is going to happen in that opening match, which will be on Thursday morning, all of a sudden you've got Russia leading the group with three points. And it's going to be as if Russia can produce any kind of results, they could easily finish the group with five points and lock up that second spot. So you're kind of looking at this as a situation where if Egypt, if Uruguay dropped points and Egypt were, were to find a way to uh, get a point from that match, all of a sudden, you know, forget all the predictions, they're out the window. Because yes. anything can happen in the next two matches. Sure, you expect Uruguay to beat... Uh, Russia, and you expect Uruguay to be Saudi Arabia. However, you don't know what Egypt's going to do. You don't know what Russia's going to do the rest of the tournament. And if Russia's flying high off a win in their first game, like I'm assuming they're going to do, I mean, listen, they can finish this group of seven points very easily. Sure. Yeah, it's all on the table here. You know, we're, 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 we're looking at this Uruguayan team from the perspective of what they've done 
and the talent that they do bring. But you, you sometimes get these these teams when they're entering their late stages. You think of Spain in the last tournament. Uh, has the milk gone sour? Uh, do they still have it, or is the milk turning? Uh, we're going to find out, I think, very quickly in that first match where Uruguay stands. And, and, and as you said, if that first match doesn't come back the way you're anticipating, that, yeah, then, it, then it's a wide-open tournament. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for Uruguay, it's going to be key to what kind of player they're going to get in Luis Suarez and what kind of player they're going to get in Edison Cavani. If those two can lead the line and they can do so in tandem, then I think Uruguay will be hard to stop throughout the tournament. I mean, they're going to progress well into the knockout rounds. However, if we start seeing the mental gas of Luis Suarez, which we, he is known to have, <laughs> everything's on the table, like we just mentioned earlier. Uh, to wrap up, Group A, I mean, in my predictions, I have a score sheet here I set up for a couple different pools. And, you know, I've got Uruguay basically sweeping uh, the, the group stage round, walking out with nine points, getting a victory in all their matches. I do have Egypt coming in second. Uh, and that would be with six points with, you know, getting a victory over Saudi Arabia and a close victory over Russia as well. So it, it's going to be interesting. But again, it all comes down to those first two matches. And I think this is one of the few groups where the first the first match day for basically the group will go a long way into telling who is going to advance into the knockout rounds. I think I would agree. I think that that, that first match day, it's not necessarily going to end discussion. No, absolutely but, not. But... If if results hold as you expect, um, after that first match day, I think you can start penciling in uh, the next rounds. You know, if things break bad for Uruguay, um, then yeah, then, then all of a sudden we get a little bit of chaos introduced. Absolutely. So let's go ahead and move on to Group B. Now, Group B will not start their matches until Friday, yes. right? Because they will be coinciding with the matches or with the last match of Group A, which will be the Egypt Russia match Friday at eight a.m. So what you're going to be having here is you're going to have Morocco squaring off against Iran, which are obviously the two teams in this group that are a very understated value in terms of betting. Yes. And then you have Portugal versus Spain. And it's funny how this kind of got organized because you're looking at the teams here that, in a sense, the two teams that should be advancing from this group will face off against each other against the two teams that really don't have a good shot of making it through. So it almost makes you wonder here is... If you get two one-sided victories, all of a sudden, you know, again, you kind of run into the same situation where anything could be possible. It's not plausible, but it's possible. Yes. I I think it's really beneficial for everyone that the first match of the group is Portugal and Spain um, because it doesn't kill the group off immediately. (laughs) That's Uh, true. You know, if Portugal smashes Morocco and if Spain smashes Iran... Uh, in the first group, uh, the first uh, day of matches, it really takes a little bit of the the drama out. You're still going to have the horse race element: who's going to finish first, who's going to finish second. Um, but it does kind of delay the inevitable. Uh, again, can can Morocco pull something out? Can Iran pull something? Of course, it's sports. That's why they play the games. But it, it, if you're betting on Morocco or Iran to get around to get out of this group. Um, you're a braver man than I. Yeah, it's fool's gold at that point. I mean, if you're looking at Bavada's lines just to win the group, so you have to keep in mind these are just odds to win the group, not necessarily to advance into the knockout stage. You've got Spain leading the line here at minus 200. So again, for every $100 you bet, essentially you would make $50 in your return wages. 
Uh, Portugal at plus 225. So I guess the odds makers don't really see Portugal beating Spain, which is an interesting note, which we can get into in a second. And then to win the group again, you have Morocco at plus 1600 and Iran at plus 2800. So that alone really goes to show you that there is no public confidence of any kind in Morocco and Iran. And it, it should be a quick World Cup for both of these sides. Um, I do think it's an interesting note that just today it was announced that Real Madrid will be hiring uh, Spain's coach after the conclusion of this World Cup. You do have to wonder what kind of effect that may have on the players. Um, But I I think this is... 2014 was such a humiliation for the Spanish side that had enjoyed such uh, blessings before it. So (laughs) don't feel bad for them, but... I do, I do think that this Spanish side, you know, it's cliche and it's, 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 it's. You, you've heard it in sports a thousand times, but the having a chip on your shoulder, having something to prove, I think that that is going to be very important for this group. Portugal, having finally claimed the Euro, having finally got that major tournament title, is that going to propel them forward, or are they going to be content with what they've gotten? Uh, I don't imagine Cristiano Ronaldo will, because if he can somehow. Squeeze a World Cup title out of this before Messi. Before Messi, it it really I mean cements it. It really cements it. Yeah. Even though it, he's already got the continental title, um, <laughs> but if he were to somehow get a World Cup title, as someone who is a I I, I very much enjoy Lionel, um, and don't very much enjoy Cristiano, but yeah, if he were to manage to somehow get a World Cup in 2018, it it really puts the discussion to bed. Oh, absolutely, and like to show the disparity in this group, right? Spain ranks as one of the stronger offenses in this group and one of the strongest defenses coming into the tournament. At the same time, per 538, Portugal's got one of the topper end, not as high as Spain. They're rating Spain as a much better offense, but roughly around the same types of metrics on the defensive side. If you look at their qualification into the World Cup, Portugal led their group with 27 points and a 28 goal differential. And granted, listen, there wasn't anybody very difficult in their group. They played games against Switzerland, who qualified for the World Cup in second place with 27 points also. So it really goes to show you the rest of the group, right? You've got Andorra, the Faroe Islands, Latvia, and Hungary. Like, I mean, realistically speaking, if this was the United States group, you'd probably expect the United States to qualify for the World Cup as well, right? So much to do about UEFA qualification and everybody poo-pooing on CONCACAF. But, I mean, the U.S., should have qualified, but hey, you never know. With them missing the World Cup in 2018, listen, they could have ended up last in that group too. <laughs> when, with regards to Spain, in their group, they had a much tougher qualification scale. But with Spain, I'm sorry, with Spain, with Spain, they finished their group with 28 points with the likes of Italy, Albania, Israel, Macedonia, and Liechtenstein. So again, for Spain, finishing a group that's much more challenging, obviously Italy not making the World Cup, but nobody else there. And you look at Morocco and Iran, if these are the two strongest teams in Europe to qualify, or two of the stronger teams in Europe to qualify, it really makes you wonder what kind of opposition Morocco and Iran can put together. It would definitely appear that Morocco would be the stronger challenge of the two. But yeah, it, 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 it even more than uh, Group A, uh, Group B, it really appears to be you've got two teams that have already have one foot in the door. And two teams that are going to have to cut that foot off in order to advance. That that's the only way they're going to do it is if they really inflict some physical or psychological damage. Um, you know, in, in Group A, you have you obviously have a favored team, and then you have a team that's probably going to get through, and then a team that maybe could, and then a team that's less likely. Here, you've got two teams that are pretty damn well locked in, and two teams that are probably going to be on the outside looking in come the end of June. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 
I look at this. I look at this group, and I, I think to go with the chalk here. I think Spain probably finishes this group first, but I, and I also think Portugal finishes second. Uh, between Morocco and Iran, I haven't run my numbers. You know, I think both are going to be out after three matches. However, here's the key thing: when I'm looking at this game, right, and Portugal and Spain will play after Morocco and Iran. I think Morocco and Iran are going to find a way to have a draw after that first match. I, I have just some weird feeling that. You know, when I'm looking at this game and I think to myself, well, what's going to happen here? What what makes more sense? It, you know, I am a betting man. And as a betting man, <clears throat> I think that a draw is very possible. You look at the spread right now and the spread is, <coughs> excuse me, the spread's half a goal. It's half a goal in Morocco's favor, but the public doesn't feel strongly about it. Whereas an Iran win is more unlikely than a draw in this case. So it goes to show you that a draw is definitely possible in this match. And to be honest, if this match draws... And I'm Portugal and Spain. All of a sudden, you know, I'm not looking. Yes, I'm not pushing for a victory as much because I don't want to get countered and ultimately give up maybe possibly a game-winning goal. Right. So, those, those, that game could easily draw as well. I, I I think that for the neutral, a draw in Morocco, Iran, is the worst possible result. Oh, for sure. <laughs> because it really, man, it it will just make that group. Comple- it, it, it's pretty much a rubber stopper by the, t- by the time the first games wrap up because it, one of those teams needs to get three points, hope that Portugal or Spain trip over themselves, and then pray for a miracle somewhere else. Oh, it, it's, it's, it would be a vanilla latte in yes. terms of a group, right? <laughs> that could be your most basic group ever, you know, super casual, super complacent. But at the same time, if you look at the rest of the matches, uh, and again, we're getting our odds through Bovada, at that point in time, after that first match, neither Portugal nor Spain are favored by anything less than a goal. And Spain goes as high as two goals, and Portugal goes as high as a goal and a half in their match against Iran. So it goes to show you that, you know, overwhelming odds favorites here are, are going to be these two teams. And it's, I'd be hard-pressed to believe that anybody else uh, can be in the running. But you, you never know. You never know. Agreed. Agreed. Before we move on to Group C... Um, we want to take a moment and uh, give a shout out to our sponsor, Groundhopper. Um, Groundhopper is an excellent way uh, to follow along your favorite teams and their favorite grounds. Uh, we've talked about it before here on the podcast. Drew's talked about it a lot. If you've heard our, our kind of pre-roll ads on the podcast, but we wanted to do a live one here. Um, it's just a great way to to kind of include a game within the game, include an ability to kind of Check in and follow along with your favorite teams and check in and follow along with your friends and see where they're at and where they're watching soccer as well. And if you're one of the lucky few that are actually going to Russia, you might as well start checking in to all the stadiums possible, whether it's in St. Petersburg or St. Petersburg, ooh, I'm sorry, whether it's on Rostov-on-Don, whether you're at Kaliningrad, whether you're at Mordovia, whether you're at the Fifth Stadium. Maybe I'm looking at a Panini book right now. Maybe I'm not. Maybe I know all the stadiums <laughs> off the top of my head. Who knows? But, but with no further ado... Here's Drew Hausman and Groundhopper. We here at Magic City Soccer are proud to announce our newest sponsor, Groundhopper. Whether you're a passionate soccer supporter or just enjoy watching the game, check out the Groundhopper app, the handiest tool for soccer fans. Check in at the game and earn badges for all kinds of achievements. Compete with your friends and see who's the biggest fan of your team. Find all the fixtures taking place where you are, whether it's Miami or Madrid. This way you can turn any trip into a soccer trip. Available now on the Google Play and iTunes App Store. Now, back to the podcast. So, Groundhopper, check it out. You can download that app uh, on any mobile device, whether it's Google Play 
or whether it's in the App Store. And we, we strongly recommend you check it out and see if you can beat Drew with as many check-ins as he has at everywhere luck. Miami FC plays. But yes, like Matt said, good luck. <laughs> good luck. We move on to Group C, and Group C might be the easiest group, although there will be a fight for the second position. But Group C, you've got France, you've got Australia, you've got Peru, and you've got Denmark. Matt, I think it's easy to say as we look at this group just on paper here, and you got to give the nod to France, right? So I will say in terms of picking the winner, yes, this is probably the easiest group of the bunch. However, I think you can make an argument not a, not necessarily a great one, but I think you can make an argument for any of those other three teams coming through and getting that second spot. So I actually will be intrigued um, to see how this group develops. France is going to win this group. If France doesn't, if France comes in second in this group, they might as well go home because they have blown it. They, to me, they are. I don't know if we're getting to that stage or not, but I will say it now. They are my favorite for this tournament. Are they? Okay. I think they win. The whole thing, the depth that they have to me, is is what makes what puts them above and beyond. Um, and so, if they come in second in this group, then I will eat my hat and I will fold up shop and not make any more predictions about the rest of this World Cup. They 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 absolutely have to win this group. Okay, but don't you find it weird? And it's something that you know, as you were talking, I did pull up that. Don't you find it weird? They only took five midfielders to the World Cup. They took five midfielders. Uh, I yes. mean, they loaded their squad on defense, and they have five forwards going as well. But you're talking about the likes of the only midfielders that you're carrying are Thomas Lamar, who plays for Monaco, Blaise Matuidi, who recently left PSG over to Juventus. You've got Tolisso at Bayern Munich. You've got Pogba at United, and you've got N'Golo Kante, who honestly I didn't realize was French until probably about 30 seconds ago, <laughs> uh, who is now at Chelsea, the, fo- the former Leicester City man. Um, I... I look at this group, and, and I like France. I like France a lot. I think that they're a dark horse as much as I rate Belgium to be a dark horse in this tournament. But I, I can't consider them a favorite because I don't see the depth in midfield. I think that a lot of those forward players, um, push come shove, I think France could wind up dropping into kind of like a like a, a attacking midfielder position. where, where they're, okay. they're kind of, I, I don't think they need the depth there because to borrow like – Positionless basketball. I think they're going kind of positionless attack almost. Okay. Uh, obviously, you have a couple of players who are married to the front, like Giroud or Mbappe. Um, but I, I think they can be a little bit more creative in, in terms of how they use those forward players. Um, I don't think they need as much depth in the midfield. I think that the, the appearance of their lack of depth is a little bit misleading. That would be my guess. Again, they could show up in, in Russia, and then we never see any of those guys drop anywhere back. Right. But I would not be surprised to see it. I mean, I don't remember off the top of my head. And because we do a soccer podcast, this, this might be the ultimate blasphemy with regards to not knowing things. But which was the tournament that France had the debacle where basically their players like threatened to boycott the tournament because of the head coach? South Africa. Was it 2010? Yes, it was okay. 2010. So in 2010, you had a situation where... Again, France decided not to play. They were, uh, I believe the coach was Didier Deschamps? I believe so. Right? Yes. And, you know, there was a whole boycott about the players he chose and the players he didn't choose and this whole scenario. And you look at some of the notable omissions here that could slot into the midfield, like Anthony Martial. And, yes, part of that is that I am a Manchester United man. But, however, (laughs) he's a guy who could add that midfield depth, play out wide on either wing. But I'm looking at their forward group here and I see... 
Antoine Griezmann, who's going to be a number nine. I see Olivier Giroud with the meaty French forehead. I see guys, and I see Ousmane Dembele, who is going to be a winger on this squad. But I don't see the number 10 unless it's Mbappe. I don't think that attacking midfielder is there. I mean, if you're going to play Pogba as a number 10, fine. But Matuidi is normally a central defensive midfielder. You look at guys like Thomas Lamar, who normally play out wide. And it kind of makes you wonder here. You know, N'Golo Kante is also a central defensive midfielder. You wouldn't play him in a center attacking role. So, out of this forward group, other than Mbappe, I, I don't see anybody else who could slot in there to play a 4-4-2 per se. I, I just think that at some point... Uh, first off, I, I, small correction. I believe the manager that caused all the the, the kerfuffle uh, in 2010 was Raymond Domenech. All right, Didier um, Deschamps followed him. Yes, correct? De, okay. Deschamps came afterwards. <clears throat> I, I, I'm I'm pretty sure about that because as soon as I heard that, I wanted to double check that. Uh, yes, correct. It was it was Domenech. Um, I'm a I'm a big believer generally of it, it, talent figures it out. Okay. I think they have the talent. It, it, I, I think they have the talent and the pieces to put together something, and I trust that this squad and, and and the leadership that it has will make it work. And I know that's a bit of a cop out, but I I just I look at it and I see the names, I see the skill, I see the 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 ability through almost all the squad, okay. and I, I'm just con- I'm convinced of it. I think the key for France is going to be how their defense shows up. We know what to make of their attack. We know what to make of their midfield, even though they've chosen not to take Adrian Rabiot with them to the World Cup. Uh, but it's going to be, how does that defense hold up? Because you've got guys like Rafael Varane, who plays for PSG. You've got guys like Samuel Mtiti who plays for Barcelona. And Benjamin Mendy hasn't been the most reliable center back at uh, Manchester City. So it really makes you wonder here... If that defense shows up and that defense holds up well in front of Hugo Lloris, who is susceptible to his own gaffes as well, okay, France can go deep. Can they win the whole thing? When you compare them to the likes of Brazil and you compare them to the likes of Germany and some of the other hotshot clubs that people are, you know, really thinking can win the whole tournament, it it makes you wonder because I don't think France is as good as Spain, for example. I think that – I think Spain is – I look at this tournament and I look at and it's again I'm not breaking any news here. I'm high on Brazil. Okay. I'm high on Spain. I'm high on them too. I got them in this weird pick'em contest. So apparently I have Brazil. <laughs> You're I all in. Them, right? I'm You're all in. in. Um, I'm high on Spain. I'm high on on France and to lesser extent Germany. We'll talk more about them later when we get to their group. Uh, and and I'm kind of betting that Belgium finally breaks through a little bit. But may, maybe I'm. I'm Kidding myself, but I, I I do think I think that France has been France is both young and has been through the grinder here a little bit uh, with the players that they have. They they have major club experience. They've won finals. They've lost finals. They, they all the you know you look at the ages of these players working out of the back 25, 22, 23, 24, 24, 22, 22. Yet there's all this experience of highs and lows. I think it combines. To position this club very well, this 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 squad very well, um, heading into this group and heading into the tournament. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, if I'm not mistaken, they are one of the younger teams to come into the World Cup. I believe they have an average age of 26. If I'm not mistaken, uh, with other clubs going justly as high as 29 and a half, with the case of Costa Rica and Mexico, etc. Um, and I believe South Korea is, has a super high average age, even though 
uh, the figures that I'm looking at show otherwise. I mean, listen, we spent a lot of time on France. I think we both agree that France is the winner. If you're on the betting line, they're minus 350, meaning that you need to bet $350 if you want to win $100 in return <laughs> on your bet on France. I think the, the key here is going to be is this might be a dogfight for second place. I agree. We haven't seen in Group A. Because in Group A, sure, you can make the argument between Egypt and, and, and Russia, and I think most people would pick Egypt depending on what happens you know, in, in that match between Egypt and and Russia in Group B, it's a foregone conclusion that it's going to be Fr- it's going to be Spain, it's going to be uh, Portugal. But Group C, we're looking still at Australia, we're looking at Peru, and we're looking at Denmark. And Denmark, who's qualified through UEFA and actually found a way to get out of their group and into the uh, the knockout rounds, where they went ahead and, and bested Ireland over two legs. You have the situation where you know Denmark came in second to Poland in their qualifying stage and. Odds on, they're the second favorite to win the group here. So it makes you wonder, do you see Denmark finishing second with the likes of Christian Eriksen from Tottenham Hotspur and Andreas Christensen from Chelsea leading that back line? Uh, I, it, this is very hard because I look at that Denmark side and they're not a classy name in international football. But then you look at the players, you're like, oh, Christian Eriksen, he's, he's a pretty solid player. Oh, Casper Schmeichel, he does a really good job for Leicester between the pipes. You know, you look at it, Nicholas Bentner, he's got experience, you know, on bigger stages. Lord but, Bentner, sir. Lord <laughs> Bentner. You know, this is this is a team that, again, it's not <clears throat> fancy, but you could see them put together three games and squeaking out, even though they don't have the history. Now, speaking of not having the history, Peru. <laughs> Peru, Peru doesn't have the history. Peru getting into this tournament the first time in, what is it, 38 they're 30, 36 years. You're, you're in the ballpark. I yeah. don't know, but you're in the 30 ballpark. 30 some years. Um, and squeaking in on goal differential. Yes. We're talking about they finished the Conman Bowl qualifying with a plus one goal differential, but tied in points with Chile, who had a minus one goal differential, and that was the kicker. Which that was is, the kicker. The, for Peru, you look at Peru and like, oh, what a great story. They get into the tournament. Good for them. But then you look, oh, yeah, they beat out Chile. That Chile side's good. Arturo Vidal and everybody yes, else. Yes, that, that Chile side is good, and they they match them on points and beat them on goal differential. That says something to me. Plus, you now have this story, this this, this issue of Paulo Guerrero with the uh, illicit uh, illicit use of, of cocaine or whatever it is. Cocaine leaf yes. used in his tea. It's yes. a common remedy in South America. Yes, he's got particulate yeah. or whatever. In his but he was not snorting the booger sugar. <laughs> Um, and so he's out, he's in, he's out, he's in, he's out, he's back in again. He's in. Um, he's he's in, in, he's going to be playing. What kind of uh, galvanizing effect does that have on the team? And then you look at Australia. And Australia, out of all of these three teams, they're the old hands. They're the side that's been on the big stage before, you know, qualifying out of Asia, uh, Asia um, which is not necessarily the hardest route. But, but they've been a not bad side for a while. And now when you look at it, it would appear that their their best days are behind them, at least with this current core. But yeah, you know, if you put two two rather inexperienced sides, um, you know, Denmark with the last time they had any like notoriety internationally was when they won the Euro in ninety two. Right. Um it's not it's it's not a fancy group. It's not a group where either oh, any of those three teams are really fancy to be anything beyond um good. Yeah. I mean, average at best, really good in the sense of Denmark, possibly. When you look at 538's rankings in terms of how they measure on offense and defense, 
Denmark and Peru are, are, are basically right near each other in terms of all the metrics on how many goals they'll concede a match and how many goals they could possibly score a match. And Australia is a side that's notably weaker on defense. It doesn't have anybody that you know has a name that stands out because most of their guys either play you know throughout Asia in the Chinese and Japanese league, and you have the occasional player who will end up in your second division, you know, English league in mm-hmm. terms of the championship or even a league one per se. So their defense is not going to be what takes them through. Australia's key here is going to be is can they outscore the rest of their opponents? And and that's going to be the question. If Australia can find a way to outscore its opponents, you know, and granted, of course, if you score more than they do, then you win the game, right? Like, that's not saying much. What I'm saying is they need to muster that strength. And Aaron Moy, who had an excellent season for Huddersfield Town in the midfield, is going to be a guy who they need to rely on, along with Mal Jedinak, their captain who plays for Aston Villa. And they're going to have to make up for, you know, an aging Tim Cahill. Because Tim Cahill's getting old, man. Yeah. He made his appearance of you know for Australia for the first time in 2004. We're 14 remi- or sorry, we're 14 years removed from his appearance. So it goes to show you that you know there aren't young guys on the squad. This is not one of the younger teams to enter the tournament. If you look at the average age of this roster, it's sitting at 28.1. It's on the upper half in terms of age. So playing three games in seven days is going to be difficult for these guys, especially in. The atmosphere and, I guess, really the the all-encompassing nature that is the World Cup. And the truth is, Australia's had one of the hardest routes to the World Cup. Not only did they have to play a playoff in order to get a chance to, you know, qualify in intercontinental play. They also had to beat Honduras, which they did in over two legs, with a scoreline of 3-1. to It goes to show you that, you know, this team, even though it's been tested time and time again has been able to overcome some odds and would not be the craziest thing in the world if Australia somehow bypasses Peru and bypasses Denmark for the second spot. I guess that's my whole perspective on this group is that I think you have to favor Denmark. You have to favor them to get that second spot. Again, we're booking France through. Right. You have to favor Denmark for the second spot. But it would not shock me in the least, in the least, if Peru edges them out. And it would not shock me... If these two teams that aren't used to this spotlight get edged out by a by a, a an older, more experienced, a team that 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 has the 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 knows the pressure of you know knockouts and and all that stuff, if Australia can find a way to edge them out too. Now, out of those three teams, the one that I think would have the greater chance of like doing more in the tournament is Denmark. Right, I agree. But it would not surprise me if Denmark doesn't get through. I also think this is the first time we're. Goal differential might force a play here in the 2018 World Cup. Yeah. And granted, Group A, Group B, we're not really too worried about goal differential. Again, with the exception of maybe the aforementioned Egypt-Russia situation there, right? But when you're looking at this group, a lot of it may just come down to how much can Australia contain France. We saw the United States contain France to 1-1 draw. And what yes. should have been disappointment to Le Coq Sportif, right? They, honestly, if you're a French faithful, if you're a fan of the French national team... You shouldn't beat that U.S. squad that's yeah. full of youth. And right now you're looking at the goal line for that match. And France is the overwhelming favorite with a one-and-a-half goal line spread. And they're being favored at one-and-a-half. But if Australia managed to keep that game within a goal, mind you, while losing, 
That's still a victory in their book in terms of goal differential. Because if you look at the rest of their matches, Denmark is only a half a goal favorite. Sure, they're favored in that game, but we're not looking at overwhelming odds or anything like that. And in the last match against Peru, even though Australia seemed to be underdogs, they're favored in that match as well as the underdogs. So it, it, it really makes you wonder here, depending how on everything shakes out, this group could easily come down to goal differential. And maybe Denmark squeaks by with a goal or two, but that's going to be a lot based on how that France-Australia match goes. Yeah, this group is, I feel like it's definitely going to be a war of attrition. Oh, for sure. Who's going to screw up? Who's going to open up the door for somebody else? I think that last day of matches is going to be very exciting to see. You're looking at June 26th, um, where Australia is playing Peru, and then France is uh, playing Denmark. Um, Yeah, Uh, what's going to be on the table for each team there? That's going to be a big question. And yeah, who, who's gonna who's gonna have the big error? Who's gonna make a mistake that's going to give someone else the opportunity to take their spot? I can't I can't agree a hundred percent more. And I think with Peru that we haven't a lot of spent a lot of time on in this group is that it's it's a relatively a group of unknowns, right? You've got a couple guys who play in MLS. Uh, Yoshimar Yutin, you're playing for Orlando City here in the state of Florida. And you've got a lot of guys that play throughout South America. Guys playing in Peru, guys playing in Brazil, guys playing in Argentina, guys playing in Colombia. And, and it really makes you wonder, while those leagues are good, and I do feel on a personal level that those leagues are underrated, against the test of leagues such as, you know, the likes that you see in Europe and the likes that, you know, you see in Asia, how do they stand up? Because for a lot a lot of talk, you know, downplaying Asians, uh, Asian leagues around the world, South American leagues have improved a fair much better. Yeah. So, so it really makes you wonder. It's, it's going to be... A matter of seeing how much these guys staying closer to home, will it improve their cohesiveness and their ability to play together? Or, as you're kind of alluding to, will it kind of open them up to to seeing what the rest of the world plays like and basically opening up to a, a little bit more scrutiny than they're used to? Absolutely. So, I've got it going France, Denmark. You've got it going... Oh, gosh. I will go... Yeah, I'll go France, Denmark right. too. Going chalk again. Now we're going into Group D, the the last group of this episode of Magic City Soccer, this special World Cup special that we have going on. Uh, and Group D has some heavy hitters in it, man. Or I should say, one of the bigger heavy hitters in Argentina. Yes, uh, they've got fan favorites in Iceland uh, with the skull clap. You've got Croatia with a lot of fan favorites there, notably Luka Modric, who plays for Real Madrid, and you've got Nigeria. Rounding out the group, the qualifier from Africa. Um, I mean, look, let, let's just call a spade a spade here very fast and say Argentina wins the group, right? Yes. Why so much hesitation, though? I, I'll, I'll come back to that in a second. But why, yes. why so much hesitation, though? Because, I mean, if you're Argentina, I, I mean, I, I just... Listen, I get it. I get that there's a lot of, the, you know, the messy factor. I get... That there's a lot of guys that, that usually don't show up. Gonzalo Gonzalo Higuain is nowhere to be found. Aguero may go down with an injury. <laughs> I, Angel De Maria might show up like he did at Manchester United, which is nowhere on the field except way out in the wings. I, I get it. I totally do. And I also understand that they have a serious situation, a goalkeeper, because it looks like Willy Caballero from Manchester City may be leading Argentina into a tournament because Sergio Romero went down with an ACL tear or a knee injury, I should say. So it really makes you wonder. There's a lot of question marks on this team. There have been habitual question marks on this team. But is this the year that it finally happens? This is what I'm saying. 
I for I I I think that this is a year where the and it sounds stupid because Germany wins the damn thing it seems every year but I think this is the year <laughs> where European dominance reasserts itself and I think this is the year where uh, save Brazil save Brazil I don't think this is going to be a good year for South American teams and that includes Argentina. Uh, I think they will advance, and I think they will win the group, but I don't think it's as much of a slam dunk as the rest of the world may seem it to be. I don't think it's as much as a slam dunk as even I may think it to be. I, I think I think that there's there's a possibility that the, that they could finish second. Um, I, You're hammered. I, <laughs> I I think it's a possibility, I, and and I I think that I would not be surprised if Argentina 2018 is Spain 2014. Wow, that's that's bold, man. I would not be surprised. There's just there's they've been going at this clip for so long. Again, it's that question of is the milk going bad? Um, I, I, I I'm not predicting it. I'm saying it's a possibility, especially when you look to me in World Cup play. I need reliability out of my goalie. I need to know my goalie is solid at the back. If you have those questions at the back, to me it it is a a real, real disadvantageous position to be in. I mean, Argentina is also the third oldest team coming into the tournament. So they, they, they are up there. And, and it really does make you wonder. I mean, I, I think here's the key, though. I think I think that Argentina's defense is well-tested, though. I think the guys such as, you know, Funes Mori, who plays on the wing out for Everton. You've guys like Marcus Rojo, who didn't feature that much this year uh, for Manchester United. But even guys like Javier Mascherano, they, they have skills that even though they're getting older and even though they, have not, they may not be playing the way they used to, I think there's still that inherent skill level that doesn't necessarily exist around the world that exists in Argentina. Guys like Nicolas Otamendi. And listen, I trash Otamendi all the time. Right? I, I don't think Otamendi's any good. I look at City fans and I'm like, I'm sorry for that guy. That guy's trash, right? But, but I, you know, I do it in a sense of a rivalry where that United City rivalry is. And I don't necessarily think he's as bad a player as he actually is. I knock Marcus Rojo all the freaking time. Once we get Abel Iraola into our podcast here, into the World Cup, he will tell you at length how much I dislike the man. But I will tell you this. I, I just think that there's something you can't teach within this Argentina uh, team and I think that that within this group in itself, sure, Croatia might be the betting line's second favorite at plus two thirty behind Argentina, uh, but Argentina's right now is is the fifth favorite team in the tournament at plus nine hundred to win the whole thing. Granted, behind Brazil, behind Germany, behind France, uh, and also behind um, Spain, but I don't know, man. Like I, I understand where you're coming from, and I see the question marks in play. But it's almost one of those things like just with Spain in 2014, I, I can't imagine it happening until it happens. I and, and look, I again, I'll reiterate. I think they're getting out of the group. When I say they're going to disappoint, oh, I'm, now you think they're getting out of the group? I, I, I when I say they're going to disappoint, I think where they're going to disappoint is they're going to dump out in like the quarterfinals or something like that. <laughs> but I am not again. Save the podcast and come back to me in a month when Argentina wins it. Um, I would like, I, I have no, I, I like, I've said before, I, I like Lionel Messi. I think there is a lot of good young talent on this team. I just think they're kind of at a crossroads right now where they don't exactly know what they want to be. And when you're not solid at the back, 
if you're a team that's solid at the back, you can put up with a lot of crap up front. I agree. But when you're not solid at the back, and you just said, you're running down those players that you're leaning on. It's a guy you don't trust that much, a guy you don't trust that much, and Javier Mascherano, who's like 150 years old. <laughs> that like when, when that's what you're leaning on at the back, and right. Willie Caballero. Now, yeah. who who does, he, he shows up in cup games. I, He's a cup <laughs> specialist. But I mean, if that's what you're leaning, if that's the 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 spine that you're hold, hoping holds up the body, I'm not a hundred percent sold on you. In okay. this group, I'm eighty five percent sold on you. I still think you'll you'll lead. I still think you'll win it. But I would totally not be surprised if there's some chaos and some nonsense, and you wind up with Croatia and Iceland. That's all I'm saying. Is that there's there's that Levitard on the pod, folks. <laughs> I'm just saying I, I, I would not be gobsmacked. I, I would have been – I was more surprised by Spain not advancing out of their group in 2014 than I would be if Argentina didn't advance wow, out of their group. Wow, that, that's – I'm still saying it's not likely. No, Please no, I, understand. I get, I get it. It's not likely, but I also wouldn't be gobsmacked. I mean, I just – not to spend more time on Argentina because we still have three groups to go over here uh, in this group. Um I just, I don't know, man. Like, I, I see what you're saying. I get that age is a factor. And I think the biggest thing here is that, you know, like Willie Caballero, Sergio Romero for Manchester United doesn't necessarily get that much playing time, with exception in cup games as well. And, and it really makes you wonder because you start looking, and I guess you've opened my eyes in a sense, because you start looking at the defense for Argentina. And you start noticing a couple key things. Javier Mascherano plays in China. Marcus Rojo doesn't start for Manchester United. Nicolas Sotomendi is a starting center back for Manchester City. And Funes Mori, I mean, look, he's a fullback over at Everton. So, I mean, that's not necessarily the most challenging places to earn playing time either, especially in last year's Premier League. But it, it makes you wonder when you look at those four guys and you look at maybe some of the other defensemen they've taken and you're just like, is, is it enough? Is a lack of playing time going to hurt Argentina? Because I also think that this is the last time, this is the last World Cup where we will see the Argentina that everybody keeps talking about what, what could be or what should be. Yes. And this is it. It's put up or shut up yes. time for Argentina with an aging squad. They're, they are what is. Yeah. This club, this, <laughs> yes. this team, this selection will not look remotely the same in four years. Yes. Messi may not even play in another World Cup after this one, given his age. So it may, really makes you wonder here, you know... Is this the changing of the guard? Is this where you see some changes being made from, you know, the Messies of the world and the Iguains of the world to Paulo Dybala? Where you start seeing the younger superstars trying to get more playing time. Where you see Marcos Acuna or Ever Banega. It just, it, it, it's, it's a scary time. Listen, if I'm Argentina's fans, I'm going to every game, crapping bricks. And thinking we're not going to win, and then when we win, I'm, I'm super excited, right? I'm not even an Argentina supporter myself. So, but if I put myself in the position of an Argentina, or of an Argentinian, or if I put myself in the in a position of somebody who who really likes to eat vacío, or or mollejas, or chorizo de pollo, right, or or anything like that, it, it makes me think. You know, listen, I, I would be kind of scared uh, at all of these matches. Uh, but I, I, I expect my team to advance. You're listening to the Argentina podcast. We hear more Wyatt and Matthew. Listen Bunch. here, the knife. <laughs> if you want to sponsor our show, I will gladly weigh 500 pounds, but gladly do all our shows at the knife over at International Mall. This is the call out. You've heard us. We I just ate there on Friday. It was delicious. Uh, so yeah, shout I'm out. a Texas to Brazil fan myself. I will look. Over. 
I mean, I, I understand now. I, I'm I get a fan of Fogo de Chao. I'm yes. a fan of Steak Bridge of we're, we're getting Do you have into, meat? Yes. We're getting Great. into an eerie situation where we're doing the Argentina versus Brazil thing. And we're in the group stages. So maybe we should leave out the Texas yes, okay. and the Fogo We're going to put our uh, knife versus Fogo de Chao yes. uh, poll up during the groups, during the knockout stages. Uh, let's move on to Iceland. Let's talk more about this group and, and the team that I, for a, a brief, glorious second, picked to advance out of this group. Um, they were the star children of the Euro in 2016. Absolutely. They advanced to uh, the semifinals. Uh, out I believe, of yes, against Portugal. Out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. And it, they didn't luck their whole way through. They had good performances. They did have good performances. They had good performances. And again, I think the population of the island is about 50,000 people. There are more people in Hialeah than there are. No, no, no. There's more than that. Is it? Oh, is I, it? Oh, okay. Is Reykjavik like 50? I think so. I, yeah. I think it's I think less it's than 5 a million. million. I think it's 5 million people live in Iceland. Are you sure it's 5 million? I, listen, I okay, could be we're wrong. We're making up crazy numbers and we should just be looking it up. Bomar and I have both now. <laughs> You can type it in the Google machine. So Iceland has a current population of 334,000 with probably 55,000 at that point living in the city of Reykjavik. Okay, okay so I might enough. be thinking Reykjavik specific. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's not a lot of people and I do think there are more people in Hialeah than there are in Iceland. Um, so that that's still on the table. Uh, their their story was remarkable uh, and then they followed it up. They 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 qualified for the... First off, they, they, they're in the Euro. They qualify. They get out of the group stages. That's a win. That's a huge win. Huge win. Huge win. Then they wind up going all the way through to the semifinals of the Euro. What in the hell? <laughs> what the hell? And if that's not good enough, they followed up by winning their qualification group yes. in Europe to advance to the World Cup. It, it, to me, it is... Again, they could lose every match 10-0. And still, it's a remarkable achievement. But it's for that same reason why they've 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 stacked these successes on top of successes. Why I'm not writing them off in the group. How much of that comes down to my favorite person, Gilfie Sigurdsson? Uh, how, how key how key does he have to be in terms of being instrumental in that Iceland midfield? And the reason I say that is because he's had a down year at Everton. Granted, we haven't done that EPL recap show that I've been asking to do forever <laughs> where we go over our picks. But I foolishly thought that Gilfie would stay at Swansea. I foolishly thought that Swansea would stay in the Premier League and that he would lead the league in assists. I, I was way off. <laughs> a little but bit, a little bit. It almost makes you wonder now, is this kind of a swan song to end his you know, 2018 soccer year before we start into the 2018-2019 season? Uh... You know, lighting the lamp at the World Cup. I think that this is precisely getting back with this Iceland squad is exactly what the doctor ordered for him. I think that he will benefit from being back with this collection of talent. Um, yeah, I think he's going to get a couple goals. I think he's going to make his presence be known. Um, I, they've got games first against Argentina. I, I also think that that first match will tell us a lot about what Iceland is actually going to bring to the table. They can lose that match, I think, and still advance out of the group. I mean, both mathematically and I'm saying practically. Let the but, record show Argentina is a one-and-a-half goal favorite, even though odds on that the public is not with them on that line. Yes. Um, I would say that if Iceland, even if Iceland loses that one 1-0 one or 2-1, I would say they can get out of the group. If they get their doors blown off that first match, I think it could kind of crack some of the psyche, some of the some of the belief in themselves. But I would not be surprised if that's a really a much tighter match than people anticipate. This might be everybody's second favorite team. 
right? You yes. have your team, you have your nationality. If you're lucky enough not to be uh, a fan of the USA national team, <laughs> right? Uh, and, and this might be your second favorite. So you might have somebody you're rooting for, but you're thinking in the back of your head, listen, man, I really want to see Iceland advance because of everything that went with that Euro tournament, everything yes. that we saw during qualifying. In a weird scenario, Croatia finds himself in the same group as Iceland, and they were both in the same group during qualifying in UEFA. And Iceland bested Croatia by two points in that group, although splitting both games, uh, you know, with Croatia winning the first tie 2-0, and Iceland coming back and winning the second leg uh, 1-0. So it, it really makes you wonder here how much a second spot will come down to that contest with Croatia and Iceland. And lo and behold, it's left for last. It's yes. the last game of the group. So, you know, you expect Argentina to be Nigeria. I mean, in fairness, we're not going to spend a lot of time on Nigeria probably other than talking about their jersey. The best-dressed team in yeah. the tournament. But at the same time... They deserve time, to advance just on that alone. You know, as we're flipping the page here into Croatia, uh, that Iceland-Croatia game is going to go a long way to deciding, you know, who's going to walk out with, with the second spot in this group, in my opinion. And in fairness, you know, I'm, I'm here talking up... Uh, Iceland and, and you know what they, they bring to the table. Croatia actually brings a lot of star power for, for what you would expect from a Croatian side. They they bring some some name power, some 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 firepower offensively. Um if if this team had, you know, Italy slapped on the side of it instead of Croatia, I think people would be more inclined to pick this as a dark horse where 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 you to to get out of the group and to to, to make some noise because they've got some legitimate talent here. I mean, they do, right? So like their midfield's going to be boasted by the Spanish duo or the guys that play in Spain <laughs> between Luka Modric and Ivan Rakitic. So you're going to assume that they're going to be eating a lot of minutes in play and you know that they're going to be feeding at the top. Uh he just moved to Inter, Ivan Perisic. I can't remember where he was before that, but I know that he is currently at Inter now and you have Mario Mancusic who Mario Mancusic, where does he play his football? I, I feel like the name is it is it the Premier League? I, I feel like I feel like I can't remember, but I should know where Mario Mancusic uh, plays his uh, club football. But isn't at the he, same no, time, he's in Italy, isn't he? Is he in Italy? Oh, he's with Juventus. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, that's fair enough. I feel like he was. You see, I feel like he must have been at some point in the Premier League, but I could be wrong. Right? I knew the name was too familiar for me. Yeah. But yes, he's been at Juventus for quite some time. But even then, he's thirty-two years old and he's leaving Juventus reportedly, for the Chinese Super League as well. So there's another guy chasing a paycheck, much like Javier Mascherano yes. on his last legs. So it, I, I, I think the big thing here is going to be how does the Croatian defense hold up? Because I think the Croatian defense is going to be what has the biggest question marks for this club, much like Argentina. The only notable name here really is Dejan Lovren, who plays for your Liverpool. And other than that, you've guys scattered throughout the globe, either with Atletico Madrid or with, you know, Besiktas in Turkey. It's going to be interesting. But I really think that this whole tournament will come down to, for Croatia, how they play against Iceland and how they can minimize a loss against Argentina. So if you're Croatian and you're listening to us and you're hearing that the whole tournament comes down to Dejan Lovren, uh, good luck. Because <laughs> it could go either way. You know, he's he's capable of great things, but he's also capable of just... Remarkable things and not in a good way. Uh, I'll, I'll so, leave that for you. Yeah, no, I, I'm I I'm not part of the Liverpool contingent that will destroy him. Uh, he can, I mean, the Champions League final. He put in a great shift against a, a really top of the line talent and 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 really helped neutralize Cristiano Ronaldo. 
Um, you know, we gave up three goals, wasn't his fault. Uh, so if he gets into this World Cup and rises the occasion, he can be as good as anyone in that center back position. He can also leave you scratching your head. So, so that will, like you say, I, something we talked about before, the idea of what is what is that back line capable of doing? If right. they rise to the occasion, Croatia, I, I feel, can be uh, can beat any team on any day. Um, if they don't, they could let three goals go by and be out of the tournament in a snap. Yeah, I mean, look, when you look at 538's predictions here, you've got Argentina easily being the most uh, the most well-equipped attacked and at the same time the most well-equipped defense. Croatia just under their second, you know, conceding just over half a goal a game and just scoring just under two and a half goals a game. So you look at Argentina, Croatia, and they should be the front runners in this group, but you always have that instance where, like, you look at the way these two teams match up, and, and that'll be the bigger caveat. It's not necessarily how they match up against everybody else it's how they match up respectively against themselves yes and the truth is here is if one team can sneak a result because i don't think nigeria is gonna have anything i don't think they're gonna be remotely close to the second spot so i you know while i'm writing them all off together at the same time i look at their squad and while there are guys here who are capable the ahmed musa and guys like that and kelechi anacho who plays for leicester city alex Wobi for arsenal you know I, i also don't think that I don't think it's there. I don't think this team is complete enough uh, in, in order to advance into the knockout stages. However, you know, it's how does Iceland contain Argentina? Because Argentina, I mean, look, you saw the game against Iran in the last World Cup, right? Like Iran, they held Iran. I'm sorry, I should say Iran held Argentina scoreless for like 95 minutes. Yes. Right? If Iceland can do the same to Argentina, all of a sudden, whoa, hold the brakes. Because if Croatia dropped points to Argentina... Holy shit, now you've got a real situation to contend with, you know? Which is precisely my point with my worry with Argentina. I think them going into a group with Iceland is a bad case scenario. I don't want to say worst case scenario because being in a group with Brazil or something would be worse. But Iceland knows how to play together, knows how to to formulate a plan and carry it out. And it nearly carried it to a European title. That's true. Uh, If Iran could do it in a year where Argentina went to the final and nearly won it, why couldn't Iceland do it in a year where Argentina is clearly on a bit of a downswing? That's fair. Who wins the group? That's my whole argument. I'm not a crazy person. I'm going to pick Argentina. (laughs) But I I still... of, Of all the group predictions I think we've made so far... And it sounds crazy because Spain and Portugal are, are neck and neck, and, but I, I pick Spain to win. I have more confidence in Spain winning that group than I have confidence in Argentina winning this group. Absolutely. And I, again, I think if I put my money where my mouth is, I, I think I would go with Croatia over Iceland for the second spot. Um, if, I, you know, if I had a gun to my head and I had to pick a team, I think Croatia would be the odds-on favorite to have the second spot. But it would not, be, it would not surprise me in the slightest. Much like in Group C, where you see an upset and you see Iceland advance to the knockout stages. So, you know, for right now, I think we have Argentina-Croatia. Would you have Croatia finishing second as well? I think, so I'll do it this way. My most confident prediction is Argentina-Croatia. Okay. My second most confident prediction is uh, Iceland-Croatia. I guess that's the way I'm going to put it. I think if Argentina doesn't win the group, they don't get through the group. Wow. And I think okay. if they don't get through the group, Iceland wins the group. Oof. Again, it's there, there are a lot of moving pieces in what I just said, and yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. complicating this. But I think that if Argentina is going to win, they're going to put Iceland to the knife and put them out of their misery early. 
And if Iceland can find a way to get a result or a win out of that game, I think Argentina jumps out. I see what you did there, the knife, right? Not the sword. Not Lahut's sword, <laughs> but the knife. Yes, again. All right. So to go over all our groups and our, and our predictions here on our first episode of the World Cup preview, uh, Group A, we've got Uruguay and Egypt advancing out of that group. Yes. Okay, Uruguay there. taking the first slot and Egypt taking the second. Uh, in the second group, we've got Spain and Portugal. Yes, I pick Spain and Portugal one and two. All right. The third group is where we kind of have some you know, difference of opinions or, or really we start seeing the questioning in, in, in what we have on paper. And we have France and Denmark. I have France and Denmark coming out of that group one and two. Uh, yeah, again, I, that's one where I will say I, I, I also agree with you there, France and Denmark. However, I, I my confidence in France is 99%. Sure. Now, which of course now means they will not advance out of the group. But my confidence in France is extraordinarily high. My confidence in Denmark, it's like 35%. Uh, you know, and Australia's at like 30% and Peru's at 32%. I don't know if that adds up, but it's... We're close. We're in the ballpark. Yes. That's what matters. And of course, in Group D, you know, we just mentioned it again. You know, we're, we're very shaky as to what it could be. We can see three teams advancing out of the four out of this group. I have Argentina winning the group with Croatia coming in second there. And I have Argentina and Croatia with a big caveat that Iceland could either not advance at all or win the whole damn group. Yeah. Oh, there you go. So... We will be previewing groups E through H very shortly. It'll be on the next episode of the World Cup previews of Magic City Soccer. E through H has some notable teams such as Brazil and Group E. And you're going to have a lot more teams with heavy firepower such as Belgium, such as Colombia, such as Poland, such as Germany. They all exist in these latter four groups. You know, So we're going to have a hard time dissecting who is going to go ahead. We need to go back to the chalkboard here and take a second look. To see who we've got coming out of where. We'll have that shortly. You'll get a notification as soon as it's out. We promise. We'll blow up your Twitter feeds. There's no doubt about it. As we always do. (laughs) That being said, uh, keep in mind that there is a Miami SC game on Wednesday. We're recording Tuesday, June 12th. So again, if you are hearing this on Tuesday or Wednesday morning, there is a Miami SC game on Wednesday night at 7 p.m. against Palm Beach United. There will be a match preview out for that in the wee hours of the morning. So keep a lookout for that. If you have any uh, thoughts on our World Cup predictions and you think that we are absolutely crazy, drunk, high, or all of the above, let us know. Leave us a comment either on our website, magiccity.soccer or magiccitysoccer.co or feel free to let us know under when we tweet out the, the link to the show. Uh, also want to give a quick uh, note. Uh, Miami United is returning to that NPSL life um, after an interesting weekend. Uh, they're coming back to Miami. Uh, they're playing Jacksonville Armada Thursday night, 7 p.m. That's a big one if you're a Miami United fan. If you're a fan also of Miami FC 2, that's a big one as well because uh, things have gotten a little bit a little bit squirrely in the, in the old Sunshine Conference the last couple of days. So... We'll have a lot to talk about once we're done with the uh, with the old World Cup preview, but uh, I think let's let's call it a day for now. Let's call it a day for groups A through D. This has been Omar Mubayed. and this has been Matthew Bunch, and you've been listening to Magic City Soccer. Uh, I would say go United States, but you're not really in this tournament. Yeah. NIT tournament, baby. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Italy, we're calling you out. Uh, this has been Magic City Soccer, your home for everything you need to know about soccer in South Florida. Go Miami FC, go Miami United, go Miami Soccer, and go World Cup. Go World Cup, hey.